Hey world, it's nice to meet you. I'm Cassidy Jackson, and you are listening to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. More Gen Z authors seem to be coming out of the woodwork in the past few years, myself included. And I want us to be able to have a safe space to express ourselves, since the online world is a scary place, and we might feel extremely alone. In each episode, I am highlighting an amazing Gen Z author who has agreed to share part of their story online. Sit back, relax, and please, remember, you are never alone as an author of any age. Hello, welcome to another episode of Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. I am here with somebody who is actually pretty special to me, considering that we are kind of plotting a book together. I mean, I came to the, I came to her with an idea and she was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it because I love the sport and This person knows a lot about horror and a lot about the paranormal. And so I was like, well, this is perfect. So I am going to go ahead and let her introduce herself, tell you all a little bit about her. Yay. Okay. Hello. I'm Sol Soler. You can call me either. Um, Yeah. um, I'm very thankful that Cassie let me on to this. I'm really, I was really excited for all of this. And yeah, we are kind of plotting a book together. It's it's really fun. We'll tell you more about it later. Yes. And I recently heard on, or saw rather on Twitter that I'm one of the first people who ever gets to hear your voice, unless you've sent voice messages. So I just feel kind of special. (laughs) I'm kind of fluffing my feathers a little bit, even though I'm a human and not a bird. It's kind of like a little floofing of feathers. Why not? <laughs> yeah, this is my voice debut, voice reveal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure people will be tuning into this podcast. It's like, oh my gosh, I get to hear Soler's voice for the first time. This is amazing. This is wonderful. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just approached you with this podcast idea. I think about a month and a half ago when you kind of saw it come to life a little bit which Mm -hmm. I'm actually really thankful for your support early on. Literally, without you, none of this would be happening at all. So I am very thankful that you were there to kind of be like, yeah, this is a great idea. Go for it if you want to. And so here we are three months later. Um, Yeah, of course. It was a brilliant idea. And it is. I'm very excited to be here. Yes. So since we or you are rather pressed for time, let's just get right into it. So you like to write a lot of projects at the same time. I can see from your Twitter, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, (laughs) write this, write that, write that. How do you keep them all straight? Like, how do you make sure the one, um, oh no, sorry, I forgot it last. I can tell that, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I, I get that a lot of people don't, you know, aren't a fan of like multiple projects at once. And sometimes they are a fan of, you know, focusing on one, completing one before moving to the next. Me, I am not like that at all. <laughs> if you follow me, you will tell that I probably have like a new idea every like two to three days. And it's really chaotic, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. The Twitter and... feed is absolutely amazing. I love it so, so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 
Well, yeah, so um, my process on thinking of these things is that um, I, I get a lot of ideas basically because I tend to get inspired a lot by, you know, many different things in my life. You know, like sometimes I'll, I'll see a movie like you know, the, last week I saw The Little Mermaid and I walked out with a new idea and it's like, what? maybe I should stop. But, you know, I, I keep these ideas, even if they're, you know, not detailed, maybe if they're really vague or generic, I keep them in like this notebook or maybe I put them in my notes app and I save it for later. And that's why I've accumulated so many ideas like throughout the years especially since I've been writing since I was like 11 so a lot of these ideas are just you know revive like um seedlings of ideas so yeah so they're not just like oh you have a fully fledged idea let's write it out and then <laughs> move on to the next one because that's kind of what I do actually for this draft evading the draft <laughs> that I'm working on right now. This is the longest I've ever worked on a project. And I'm realizing that I'm kind of like a one to two project girly. I cannot do multiple oh. projects and have multiple mm -hmm. ideas going at the same time. So I admire you so much for that because it cannot be me. <laughs> well, I, I admire people like you a lot too, because, um, well, I tend to, you know, switch very often and I, I can't get anything done. So it's very, you know, it's strengths and weaknesses, pros and cons. So yeah. Yeah, there are always pros and cons to I think every side of a project, whether you are kind of doing our joint project that I guess we can talk about it right now. So I guess I'll start with that since, or maybe do you want to start with your Twitter announcement about co-authoring and then we can go from there? All right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. This is the context. Um, Around maybe three weeks ago, a month ago, something like that, I, I tweeted on, on my Twitter. I, I said, um, I said something along the lines of, oh, I'd really love to learn how to co-author books with people so that, you know, one day I could co-author a book or two with my mutuals. And a lot of people actually expressed interest, Cassie included. And so I followed up with it and I said, actually, like to my mutuals, if you actually want to go for it, hit me up, DM me, and then we can, you know, get something started. And so that's kind of what happened. Cassie was one of the first to DM me with like a really good idea and um, a few other friends also, you know, approached me and I just, yeah, collected maybe five new projects. And the thing is, um, I, I do get that, you know, everyone's busy, me included. And so, you know, it's, it's more of like a relaxed kind of project that I don't want to put pressure on for anyone. And so, you know, we, it's it's a slow working project. It's gonna span, you know, a long time, and I don't mind. So, yeah, you wanna maybe sure, introduce that? Yeah. Yeah. So I have ADHD. For those of you who do not know, and people with ADHD get hyperfixations a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so my February hyperfixation was actually ice hockey, because I go to college in New England. And if you are from the United States, New England is known for two things, ice hockey and seafood. 
And it just so <laughs> happens that I was like, you know, I don't like seafood. Sorry to all the seafood stands out there. I enjoy certain types of fish, oh, wow. but like shellfish, I just can't. I know. I grew up in Northern California and I go to school in New England and I just can't do like most types of fish. It's okay. I'm sure I'm not the <laughs> only one out there who is like that. And so I kind of gravitated more towards ice hockey. And then I went to a few games, you know, in March. And when Soler reached out to me, I already had this idea in the works of like, okay, a college ice hockey team. But what if we made it haunted? What if we made it, you know, oh, we are calling it right now haunted hockey whip. Whip is work in progress for those of you who do not know. And I absolutely love our cast of characters. I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but also this project is going to span so many years. So maybe we can give a little bit of spoilers because it might change. <laughs> but there are four yeah, characters. Yeah, there are four characters who span the ages of, I believe, 18 or 19 to 21, 22. And these people are some of the most chaotic people on the planet, I swear. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> amazing how we have half of the plot done and very, very little characterization going on. And yet I can see these characters so clearly because they're just, they pop out of the kind of character document and the plot document that we both have going on. And it's actually so nice to know that I have this project that I can go back to and kind of pick up. And I'm sure, Sol, you agree that it's nice to just have a little project. You can be like, oh, okay, I have a little idea. I'm going to jot it down kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the people who approached me are actually like you. They're you know, heavy um, plotters, they work on one thing at a time. And so I I, I came up with um, ideas with them. And I said, I assured them, I was like, oh, you know, this can be like a rest project. So, you know, that was definitely the intention. Um, yeah, it's just for, for fun, for giggles. <laughs> yeah, and this, this project, oh my goodness, I'm absolutely in love with it. I would write it myself, except... I love the project that I'm working on right now, which is a YA dystopia with kind of a mystery subplot. And it's it's amazing. I love it. And then, Sol, do you want to kind of talk about your solo project and kind of how that's going? Project Projects? <laughs> well, whatever uh, okay. the one you're working on right now is. Okay, yeah, my current one. Um, okay. Well, this is probably why Cassie approached me with the idea of a haunted hockey rink because um, I am a fan of, you know, paranormal, supernatural stuff. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm very good at horror, per se, but I do love, like, spooky aspects. And so um, it's also a dystopian mystery, funnily yeah. enough. So, yeah, and it's about um, a haunted museum, um, second chance found family, that kind of stuff. And obviously there's going to be a lot of ghost hunting. So yeah. Spoiler alert for those of you interested in our haunted hockey whip, there will be found family 
and there will there might be a little bit of murder in there just because which is always the, lovely right that's just how the plot is going i think at this point soul mm-hmm. had a really good idea and i i took that and i was like you know what that could actually work and so now there's going to be a little bit of murder in there just because <laughs> yeah you know there's you, you can never go wrong with murder that's true i love how the two of us are just talking about murder because but the thing is <laughs> the excuse is always we're writers it's fine yeah writers can literally get away with murder because there are murder mystery books that are published <laughs> and so it's like yeah we can metaphorically get away with murder because we put it in books and because it's not real unless it's fiction based off of a real case we're fine like i think it's great that murder mysteries are out there and they're being explored because there's really so much you can do with it yeah that's really true yeah that's probably why i gravitate towards mysteries so much what mysteries did you read growing up because i read nancy drew the hardy boys a to z mysteries which you might not have heard of um cam jansen i read so what what did you read as a kid growing up like murder or not murder but like mystery related (laughs) well okay growing up i did read a lot of nancy drew but um my library at school didn't have all of them so i like read a lot of the graphic novel versions (laughs) and um what's the name of the the rat geronimo stilton yeah a lot of those were mysteries and so i loved those Um, oh my goodness as soon as you remember as soon as you said Geronimo Stilton, my eyes kind of lit up and I'm like, my elementary school years or primary school years were filled with Geronimo Stilton and Thea Stilton. And just this mouse rat kind of, I don't know what he is, but it was just (laughs) interesting. It's interesting. And there was like a new mystery every time and there are like 50 books. Wow, okay, tangent, but in the Philippines, there there were a lot of like... um book fairs for kids and those are like those are when I would get books because they were really cheap and so one time my mom came home with like a stack of Geronimo Stilton books and I read all of those in like months yeah I was obsessed (laughs) the amount of times that I loved the Scholastic Book Fair and what actually ended up happening was a lot of the time they would at least in the United States they would give out catalogs of the books that they would be selling. Parents would look at the prices and go, yeah, no, no, thank you. Way too expensive. (laughs) And so then it was, at least in my family, it was my job to kind of tick off the books that I wanted just off that catalog. And then my dad would just order them from Amazon. (laughs) So that's kind of how I had a quote unquote scholastic book fair without actually paying school book fair prices. Because now that I'm remembering, they were quite high. (laughs) And this was for like elementary schoolers. And I'm like, what elementary schooler can pay like 15 bucks for a hardcover book? Like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But it was just so interesting. By the way, in the Philippines, like, do you read in, in like, I, I, I know I sound like weird, but I also don't know a lot about the Philippines. And so I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. 
like, did you have a mix of Filipino books and English books in your school library? Oh, okay. Well, okay. I get the question. It's okay. Yeah. I don't mind. Okay. So, thank um, you. Yeah. Um, most of them are actually in English and I think that's why um, I'm, I'm very like, I guess decent at English. I say I'm better at English than I am at Filipino because most of the books are in English. Okay. I think it is a bit sad that there aren't a lot of Filipino translated books, but um, I did read a few Filipino books, but they were like originally in Filipino, you know, for school. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I just think that it's really, I don't want to sound insensitive, but also like, I don't know how else to say this. It's just sad that a lot of books are not translated into European languages or African languages because people should read a lot of these books like Geronimo Stilton or Percy Jackson Mm -hmm. and maybe they can't because it's not in the language that they speak or and they read in and they write in no yeah I I actually growing up I do think that um how do I say this um, I wish that there were a lot more um, accessible, like, translations to books, especially for kids, um, especially um, this generation and, you know, the generations after us. I feel like um, since we're subjected, I guess, to the internet a lot, we get to learn English a lot, and it's, you know, an accessible language. It is a really you know, accessible you know, language, not yeah. not as good as, um, you know, our parents would be, or, you know, any other language, because there aren't a lot of, you know, translations for it. And it's kind of sad. Yeah, I can't imagine growing up and realizing that the book that you read in English that you absolutely loved is not available in your native language. And to me, that's very sad because it should be. It should be more accessible and it should be translated into multiple languages and I know that the only reason they're translated into more popular languages is because people are willing to sit down and translate yeah so I was just saying like it should be more accessible and I think the only reason it's not is because people have to be willing to translate into native languages and I know that's really hard to do and it's time consuming would you consider yeah. doing it? You know, if you were asked. Oh, me. Um, I would say I'd like to try. I'd maybe you know like to learn um how to translate things. Um, right now with my current skill set, maybe maybe not. <laughs> um, Filipino is a very um like deep and intricate language, and we have a lot of you know deep words, and um the language in general is very um flowery and it's more used in a like professional or formal context so I wouldn't be familiar with a lot of like words but I would like to learn and maybe try it one day (laughs) Uh, if you ever do something like that I would love to I mean I wouldn't be able to understand the Filipino I would just look at it and go that's an amazing job. I admire translators out there so much because the work that they are doing is important. 
and it's very much needed. I agree. I agree. I actually, that's one of like my tiny like writer dreams. Um, I'd I'd really love to have my books translated into Filipino and like see them in like Filipino bookstores with like an actual translation. It's just yeah. I I wish that that for you so much because. I know that would mean a lot to you to see your books in your native language. Yeah. And just you. be like, this, yeah. I did this. And to say that I did this is amazing for any author, but it's even, and it's even more amazing when you are a foreign born author and your native language is not one of the quote-unquote more popular languages that books are translated into, like French or Spanish or what else is there? Any European language, really. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Oh, now I'm actually interested in your other works like are they also paranormal just to get on maybe like a lighter subject of like (laughs) oh I'm actually genuinely curious but like lighter topics potentially maybe question mark okay um well um well okay my current project um is the only like heavy paranormal like story it it has the ghosts it has like the horror-ish but not scary aspects (laughs) but um, I do have you know a lot of like common factors with all of them Um, that may or may not be like horror aligned Um, I do joke on Twitter a lot about human hearts yeah I joke a lot about human hearts literal and it's like what does she mean I hope people are wondering what I mean but I mean (laughs) I'm also wondering but also I'm talking with you and I'm like you and I, if we were to meet in real life, I'm sure we would be the best of friends. We are so similar. Yes. Our kind of <laughs> morbid interests. And I ask my friends, I'm like, do you know how many ways you could kill somebody with a plastic fork? And they look at me and they go, <laughs> are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just curious. H- how many ways do you think you could kill somebody with a plastic fork? <laughs> no, I, I get you. I I kind of grew up with my best friend like in real life and she's like that a lot and I think I got some of her personality from growing up with her because um, a lot of times she would just randomly go things like oh so what's your favorite medieval torture method <laughs> yeah so yeah I guess I got a lot of morbidity from her and from my other friends <laughs> Yeah, no, as soon as you said like medieval torture devices, I was brought back to when I was 15 and in my creative writing class. And are you familiar with Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, of course. I love, I love. So one of the prompts in the creative writing class was look at the alignment sheet, roll a die, a metaf- like a die online and whatever alignment you get you have to write kind of a story about and I got chaotic evil (laughs) and I was looking at this and I'm (laughs) like I've never written something chaotic evil in my life like I'm 
I'm more of like a golden retriever type rom-com person. I, I don't know anything about chaotic evil characters. And so the first thing that popped into my head was medieval torture. And so essentially that <laughs> shelved project was literally just about a guy who was down in the underworld with Hades just hanging out. And he's realizing, like, maybe he doesn't belong. So that's kind of my take on chaotic evil. And the guy isn't, the main character isn't chaotic evil at all. So I did a horrible job with that prompt. No, but that that sounds like a really good um, premise, though. I would read that story. Yeah, no, I just have to maybe get back to it one day. Oh, by the way, if you're thinking of stealing this idea, please don't. I worked really hard on this idea, so please just don't. <laughs> I don't want to change it. Maybe we can redact it in post. <laughs> yeah, that might have to be like a whole cutout. And be like, oh, by the way, I said this, but also I'm 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 a paranoid author, so this it's just gonna have to be this one sentence of D and D chaotic evil prompt underworld. That's it. There we go. Yeah, we gotta be careful. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, how do you feel? about all of that going on like authors stealing other ideas authors using ai like how does how do you feel about that truly oh wow okay i know controversial topic controversial topic (laughs) i'm just curious now that we're on the topic of oh my gosh potentially stealing well okay well obviously stealing is wrong and people shouldn't do it i don't know why people do it that is, you know, a given. Yeah. As for, you know, AI and stuff, I'm actually, well, I'm a sci-fi writer. And so, you know, I I kind of have to be aware of the happenings of the current time. <laughs> yeah, no, I get and that. I get that. It's actually kind of scary. But at the same time, um, when I look at like posts of like what AI has written, it's not that good, <laughs> to be frank. The quality is not really there. You, when I, you know, when when I read a book I like, I usually, you know, look at the the writing style, and I I can sense the connection that the author has with their own words. And so when I read, you know, a, a, an AI generated text, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that. And you know, I don't want to say that I'm going off and detecting what's AI with with hunches. But, you know, there's something that AI can't replicate. And, well, you know, the stealing that, that goes with it, you know, the, have you heard of um, how they're using fanfic websites to, to feed the AI? And so they can... Yeah, write I have heard like? about that. That's, yeah, that's kind really of why scary. I stopped I don't want them writing on AO3. Oh, I mean, I stopped <laughs> writing on AO3 like a while ago. And I was just about to go back because I'm like, well, I have time now. And it's like, nope nope no thank you yeah for for my eyes only now (laughs) right exactly I'll finish the fic just for myself 
and my friends yeah. and that's it yeah so yeah yeah that's my stance on ai it's right the current state of it is not good i hope it doesn't get better i hope you know people should just stop using it i i'm not a fan <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that we kind of dabble we both dabble in science fiction and you and i kind of have the same stance on it where i'm like i don't approve of any of it because as authors and as people who do creative thinking and creative stuff a lot of the time to have something like a computer like coding is wonderful coding is great but yeah having something coded versus you know you and I sitting down on a computer to write something is vastly different yeah I agree it's just I don't know actually what to think about it because this is the first time that I've really ever said anything and I probably will only voice my opinions on this podcast because that's what this podcast is. It's basically just getting to know Gen Z and to let the world know that Gen Z has these opinions and we need to be heard because we're the next generation, whether they like it or not. As I said in my introduction, kind of episode where it's like Gen Z needs to speak up and I feel like what I'm doing right now giving our generation the chance to speak up is very much needed in this time especially with publishing and the way that it's going as of right now mm -hmm. yeah I agree what you're doing is really important and I guess that's something I want to, you know, emphasize, you know, for the people listening. Um, speaking from experience um, as a sci-fi writer, um, how do I phrase this here? Okay, wait, I'll tell a story real quick. Sure, go <laughs> so, for it. Um, one of my first projects that I, you know, went on Twitter and pitched out or, you know, um, made public was actually um a cyberpunk heist story that did involve a lot of AI and that was back in 2021 before all of this got you know really popular and controversial mm -hmm. and yeah that's actually one of the reasons why I I let it go or I shelved it um temporarily it's because I was really um nervous about making a statement and I did um talk about this with some of my mutuals beforehand I did tweet about it and voiced my um, insecurities or apprehensions about it and a lot of people um, made really important points that I want to share and it's that even though it feels really late to make a statement that doesn't mean that you shouldn't you know do it and that's one of the things that I, I learned this year. And it's, um, you know, I was really um, scared to finish projects. And maybe that's the reason why I have so many that I don't finish. It's because I don't, you know, I, I, I don't feel safe sharing these um, politically aligned statements, I would say. Or I would be afraid to make a statement only to realize that I'm too late. And I think that's something a lot of Gen Z authors are afraid of. 
And yeah, a lot of my mutuals consoled me and said that it's not necessarily too late and you should do it anyway. And, you know, maybe maybe your message can still be heard and you can still get your point across. And yeah, I, I think that's really important for people to know. No, it really is. And thank you for sharing that. That what you said resonated with me so much because the reason I started this, and I know I sound like a broken record because I've said this in almost every <laughs> single podcast ep- podcast episode so far, it's just so important for me to get this across to people. I started this because Gen Z really doesn't have a voice right now. I mm-hmm. feel like, and I feel like a lot of other Gen Z authors and Gen Z kids who are not authors can relate. Their opinion, our opinions are just getting kind of thrown under the bridge for the trolls to eat, so to speak. I know that's a mix of metaphors, but I think you understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I just wanted to be like, you know, enough is enough. I want to be heard. And I know there are so many other people who want to be heard. And so that's kind of why I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give people a space, give them a topic, and let's run with it. Let's see what happens. I was just saying, like, Gen Z feels silenced. And I feel like maybe that's why there are so many projects that potentially, like, you're working on. Like you said, like, maybe you feel like this idea maybe like you miss the moment for that idea but I do agree with what your mutual said last year even though we were not mutuals last year like every Gen Z idea every person's idea no matter what generation they're in is valid and yeah people forget that about Gen Z we have valid feelings and valid opinions and I just want to be like hey we're going to be in this space for the next however many years. It's time to pass the torch now. And I know that torch is really, really hard to give up, especially in a space like publishing and creative writing. I I just think it's time, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment that, you know, I think a lot of Gen Z people think that, you know, it's going to be really hard to navigate um, you know the current state of the world and I don't want to sound preachy or anything but yeah it does seem like the future is looking pretty bleak and it's getting harder to you know um, differentiate um, what's happening in real life like from the fiction we write especially if we're trying to make such a, a statement with you know sci-fi or whatever genre but yeah it is really important to understand that you know our messages do mean something yeah even if we're we seem like silly little kids I mean I'm only a two-year-old adult I'm 20 but I know I have a story to tell and that's why I'm writing because even though I don't have a lot of projects like Soul does I know I want to keep writing no matter what just because just if not for the world, just for me. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so, you know, I don't know how you feel about your writing and how far you want to take it. 
I know that I just want to do it for me and maybe one other person. If I can just get one person to be inspired and to like my writing, that's all I need. One person is all you need, really. Yeah, that's that's actually true. All righty. I know we are pressed for time, so this is a little shorter episode than it would normally be and that is perfectly okay I feel like we've talked a lot about a lot of different topics and so I feel like we left it at a really good stopping point if you're okay with that soul I I can give you the ending question right now okay yeah that would be wonderful And where are your favorite places to write? Where do you get most inspired when you're writing? Okay, where do I write? Okay, well, um, well, first of all, I love my bed. (laughs) Um, yeah, she she does well. She, um, yeah, it's comforting to you know stay in a place where you're familiar with, where you can just you know relax. Sometimes I go to the library for that too. And um, I've actually tried writing in, in the park once and it's actually um, really, really helpful to change your surroundings once in a while. So, yeah. I feel like that also for me, like I, I love writing in my bed, whether it's my dorm room bed or my bed at home. like there is something really comforting about writing in your safe space. And if you are just getting into writing, find your safe space. Know that that safe space is going to be there, whether you like it or not, unless it's somewhere where they could potentially bulldoze. So if you're choosing a spot that a safe spot that is potentially bulldozable, I would kind of not do that, but that's just my own opinion on the subject. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and also, yeah, writing is, you know, whether you like it or not, and no matter what genre you write in, it will be like a really vulnerable process and you need to be ready for that, which is why, you know, we think that, you know, having a safe space is, you know, really important. But also... It wouldn't hurt to change your, you know, environment once in a while to get your creative juices flowing. Right. I know one of my writing friends writes in different coffee shops. I like writing outside. I mean, yeah, outside when the weather is a little bit nicer, not too hot, not too cold, a place where I still have Wi-Fi. I unfortunately don't have a hotspot, so I have to kind of mooch off of nearby Wi-Fi. But (laughs) I definitely do enjoy reading and writing outside. It does. There's something about a nice, fresh breeze that does something. Yeah, it really you know helps your brain. It like fans your brain. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And again, like back to being like vulnerable like wherever you write wherever you feel most comfortable whether it's one or two spots although I think Sol and I both agree that having multiple spots and having just one spot 
just where you sit down and write. If you're just starting out, stick with that one spot until you feel comfortable enough to venture out. Because I know it can be scary writing in public. When I started writing in public, like outside, I was like, are people looking at me? Are people going to think I'm weird? It's like, no, everybody's doing their own thing. Just do yours and you'll be fine. It's just hard to remember that sometimes. Yeah, it will take some getting used to if you're outside a lot, you know, for me too. But yeah, it it does help. So it wouldn't hurt to try. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for this window of opportunity. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Good luck with everything. Good luck with your projects. I look forward to hearing more. Yours. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this shorter episode of Cassie's Crafting Conundrum, everybody. I'll see you later.